right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where turns out Christian Wood's pregame comments towards Anthony Davis and the Lakers was the morning wood to Anthony Davis' ears that he needed to hear in order to perk right up, awaken from his slumber, and proceed to run circles around the bootleg copy of himself, who apparently had this game circled, on his calendar. Yeah, so I have no idea what morning wood to 80s ears means or even what it looks like but i, I don't know, want to know what that looks like <laughs> i know that you are visually still thinking about it in your head isn't that right alan oh yeah it's uh it's, it's still there <laughs> <laughs> uh i am your host jonathan hernandez i'm joined by my co-host alan riley and with all this talk about christian wood being the bootleg copy of anthony davis Turns out he wasn't the only one, because apparently Eric Gordon and James Harden are also just bootleg copies of THT, as the boy wonder outplayed the both of them and stripped the two of them clean uh, in just 20 minutes of play, dropping 17 points on 7 of 8 shooting with 4 steals. So To see their morning wood. What? To see, what? <laughs> you said stripped. It gave all of Lakers Nation morning wood, I'll tell you that, Alan. So the Lakers beat Call the your Rockets. doctor if it's still happening at this point. It's far too long. <laughs> Well, it should be happening still for Lakers fans because we are 8-3 and three atop the league, atop the Western Conference, number one seed. We beat the Rockets last night 120-102 to in what was probably the most fun and engaging and dynamic game of the season for everyone involved. A lot of Lakers players kind of pitched in and, you know, made their presence known. And um, yeah, we're going to talk about that today, obviously. Um, so yeah. Uh, the last time you were on, Alan, I think it was a loss, <laughs> which seems to be a recurrent theme. We brought Always that back case. from last season. Uh, but this time, they won. And in a, in, a, in a most lit fashion, the Lakers flexed their championship muscle last night, actually got up and dressed for the game, exerted some effort, and lo and behold, they absolutely routed the Houston Rockets in style. Um, they are now 8-3, and three, like I mentioned, amidst the craziness of this very strange pandemic-ridden season with games getting postponed left and right and the Tyler Maxis of the world dropping 39 points because his team only has to dress or only has eight players to dress. Uh, amidst all of that, the Lakers have maintained their overall health and now stand atop the Western Conference. I think for knock me... Knock on was Christian the, Wood. Knock on Christian Wood. Nice one. Um, for me, it was nice to see, the, to see them return to form Sunday night versus the Rockets. Uh, no doubt inspired by some bulletin board material from the Woodpecker. Um, so, Alan, while I'm sure you haven't cared much about the end outcomes of these games, I'm sure you've been lulled into the sleepwalking malaise that it seems like this team has been playing under the last two weeks. So how refreshing was it to get a win like that where the Lakers were not only firing on all cylinders, but AD, you know, went Super Saiyan and then Taylor Horton Tucker busted through with his best performance as a pro? Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, the games against Memphis and the Spurs, you know, uh, I think we had considered recording before maybe that Rockets game and like that Spurs game happened. I was like, oh, God, I'm so glad we didn't have to record after <laughs> they were shooting threes like from between their legs. You know what I mean? That that game was ridiculous and it was like not fun to watch. It was really frustrating. Uh, so last night, Sunday night was uh, very refreshing and you could tell like from the jump, right from the very first few minutes. Uh, extra pep in the guy's step, more energy for sure. Uh, and of course it's all 
happening on the defensive end, right? That's what instigated mm-hmm. everything. Frank Vogel, um, he said kind of what I was thinking, like this felt like a Laker win. Uh, going back to last season, despite some changes in personnel and all the stuff that people are talking about, how this team compares to last year's, um, it still had that same kind of DNA, you could say. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, man, I had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, I actually watched it twice, and nice. I watched the highlights. So that's like two and a half times. So, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and I, I want to make sure that we point out KCP and Alex Caruso's return because you talked about defense returning and uh, no doubt coincided with KCP and Caruso being back in the lineup because I felt like they were the defensive catalysts and really got the Lakers going and had the Rockets off kilter the entire night. Alex Caruso especially just harassing and bothering James Harden. Uh, it seemed like we went back to that plan of like, kind of keeping Harden on his toes, doubling him at certain points, and then releasing that valve here and there. Um, But overall, just the scrappiness on the floor, aided by THT stripping the ball loose like four different times, and I'm sure there were four other deflections on his end that just caused havoc uh, for the Rockets and allowed us to leak out into transition. And, you know, a big component of that, obviously, is Anthony Davis, who I think the last four games has three blocks in each game. So he's really been activated and and awoken on the defensive end. I think the first five games, Anthony Davis had a total of two blocks. So he heard everyone's criticisms. Uh, He kind of has pushed it to the metal here the last few games. And especially in this game against Christian Wood, you could tell he was trying to make a statement. Um, but yeah, what are some, you said that you watched the game twice. What are some highlights that stood out in your head? Because I know mine, but I'll, I'll let you go ahead. Yeah. And one other point real quickly is I feel like whenever we play the Rockets, uh, historically, we have a certain expectation for how the game is going to flow or like lack thereof, right? Because James Mm -hmm. Harden gets fouled a million times and it's, typically kind of ugly to watch because of all the antics and there was so little of that yesterday Mm -hmm. I mean the only one that really sticks out in my mind is when he hooked LeBron's arm so freaking blatantly (laughs) like LeBron's literally just standing there right and he hooked him and the ref still fell for it right but normally you'd multiply that occurrence times like 25 and it's it's just so annoying to watch but yesterday was such a pleasure um so yeah as far as plays that stood out to me Markeith Morris uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I felt badly, right? Because I was like, we all like boogie, you know, and like no yeah. one's trying to like do anything here. Um, yeah. So anyway, no, that was that was so weird when all that stuff went down. But uh, I don't know why Keith pushed what's his name to begin with. I think Tate. I don't even... His name was Tate. Something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know why he pushed him. You know what's funny though about that play though is I've been mentioning it throughout this season, but I felt like. Markeith getting ejected helped Frank Vogel with his rotations because he's like, oh, that's one less guy I have to worry about. You know what I mean? Like every yeah, single yeah, yeah. game, there's been at least one or two rotation players that have that has sitting out for a variety of reasons. But it's actually helped because we were able to give minutes to THT. Kuzma was able to slot over to the four. So it seems to be playing out in our favor that intentionally, unintentionally, some guys just seem to be out on any given night. And because we're so deep, it, it doesn't matter. Not only does it not matter, but it actually helps Frank Vogel's case. So, right for sure. Um, okay, so yeah, one play that really stands out was THD, of course. But it's like, okay, we'll pick which one you want out of how many. Uh, he picked James Harden's pocket clean with his long ass right arm, and there was like zero doubt that it was a clean pick. 
Like yeah. he didn't foul him. James Harden didn't even complain. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Which is, I feel like that's even more telling. It was a, a clean steal, you know? And then of course we got out on the break and scored. Um, and I mean, THT had a number of those plays, of course, I'm sure you're going to choose one of them, but uh, just the way he utilized his length. And I heard James Worthy talking about it afterwards. Like when he's defending you, it's not like he's in your Jersey, right? Mm-hmm. Cause he doesn't have to be, cause his arms are so damn long, <laughs> like those extra inches, right. Actually make a difference in terms of him being able to uh, get deflections and things of that nature. So like he knows his body and what his yeah. strengths are at this point and how to use it effectively, which remind you this kid, <laughs> right. Is a kid like he's 19 years old. He's basically a rookie. Um, and, and the fact that he can already have that type of awareness, uh, against one of the best one-on-one ball handling, you know, players in our league, I mean, arguably the best, right? Um, yeah, that that made me smile a lot. I love that. Yeah, and I think he he uses that length with lightning quickness. It's almost like a viper snake just striking, like boom, like you don't even mm. know what hits you. And I, I feel like Harden was probably shocked himself that it was so clean that yeah. he just let it go, you know. And yep. um, yeah, THD also had one, a, a clean strip on Eric Gordon. That's the one where Caruso dove to the floor, pitched yeah. it back to THT. And this is where it like blew my mind because obviously you see uh, Taylor Horton Tucker racing down with the ball in his hands, but it's not like he was free. It's not like there, there wasn't any defenders. Like Harden was right there with him. And then all of a sudden he just decides to leap off of one foot and cock it behind his back with his pterodactyl arms and flush it. And I was just like, Holy shit! Like that came out, that literally came out of nowhere because yeah. I mean Harden was neck and neck with him, and just hit for him to show that dynamic athleticism and ferocity. Who does that remind you of? Literally James Harden, you know? Because James Harden yes. usually when you watch him play, you don't expect him to be that athletic. And then once in a while you'll see a poster jam from him out of nowhere. And so mm-hmm. for THT to kind of showcase all of that in one sequence and one play was was absolutely ridiculous. And we will get into THG a little bit more. We're just highlighting vacuum plays. But the last highlight play that I want to um, talk about with regards to THT is the rebound that he got. And he did this like one-handed fling touchdown toss oh, yeah. uh, to Anthony Davis. And he like pawned it, right? Yes, and he flicked yes. his arm as if he had taken a shot, but it was a pass to Anthony Davis. There's a lot of touch on that. You could tell yeah. by like the release of his hand on the pass. Like, yeah, the parabola arc was beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it lo- it yeah. very much looked like a touchdown pass. And I mean, just seeing that play from him was absolutely ridiculous. And then I guess we can segue into LeBron James' version of that pass, which he took it one one level up from there, where he got it off of a defensive rebound bounce. The ball hit the floor one time. He took it in one motion and like flung it into the air to KCP for the layup. And his body stance, I mean, he gets so much style points for this because he looked like he was flinging like a fireball, dude. Like... Yeah, it was like a discus in a way. Yeah. Right? Like the Olympic event, right? Where you like spin around and then you just kind of hurl it with one arm. That's what it looked like. It looked like poetry in motion. I don't know if you've seen that like famous Banksy painting where it has that guy in black and white with a mask on. And he has, mm. he's like about to throw down the, like a bouquet of flowers or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, But yeah, the sure. stance that he has is exactly <laughs> the way Dude, LeBron James, to... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, sh- yeah, I should put LeBron James' face yes. onto that dude. Yes. Um, but exact the exact stance and then the motion and it was with his left hand too just like the velocity and you know everything was perfect and i mean 
I don't think we've ever seen LeBron make that play in his entire career. I don't think so either. Can you he, imagine like just being able to say that, first of all? <laughs> you can't replicate it, first of all, because yeah, he allowed right. the ball to bounce on the floor first. It's almost like, I'm not even going to get the rebound. I'm going to let it bounce for me so that it hits the right, <laughs> exact right height for me to then just launch it forward <laughs> in one motion. So, I mean, yeah. It, I mean, out of all the highlight plays you've seen LeBron James do, the fact that we can still get this at year 36 is incredible and insane to think about. And we're talking about Banksy and a piece of art. I mean, that was an artistic <laughs> sequence by LeBron James. Um, yeah, what else from this game? Uh, Marcus saw reverse bounce pass while with his left yeah. uh, on the other side to THT. His sleight of hand there at, at the end of the fourth was amazing. And I don't know, just this whole game was just so much fun. And I guess it's because of, yeah, the commitment to defense and the defense leading to offense and you know, everything yeah. happening in concert with one another. And we will get to Anthony Davis as well because he was a main reason why the Lakers were so fired up. Um, anything else stand out to you? Trez had an amazing game. I mean, yep. he was 16 and 8 in just 23 minutes. Uh, he had 17 and 14 in just 29 minutes the last game. And on the year, he's averaging 13 and 8 in just 24 minutes. So, um, yeah, anything else stand out to you? Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, just defense leading to offense. Us, you know, guys leaking out. I think uh, Houston's transition defense is god awful, so we absolutely capitalized on that. Uh, that being one of their weaknesses, it reminded me of the game you, me, and Tommy went to last year against Atlanta, where guys like we were there live, and um, guys were just leaking out like every single play, yeah. <laughs> and it was like it was almost like a game of keep away, right, where the ball is mm-hmm. just like soaring over everybody uh it was reminiscent of that and it kind of like stood out in my mind because we were all together watching it last year so um yeah like how many times would ad be all alone (laughs) like it's almost like he was cherry picking but he wasn't you know it's just that houston's guards weren't getting back and like okay i wonder why that's houston's dna well Um, guess whose assignment it was to get back on ad a lot of the times christian wood was hurling that three-pointer because he was too scared to get into the paint and he had a lot of misses from three. He was supposed to get back. He's the first guy there. Yeah, and AD exactly. just ran through him. So I think yep. the fact that it came at Christian Wood's expense made it all the more sweeter. Um, but yeah, I just want, before we talk, uh, go any further, I just want to make sure to highlight LeBron James because I feel like this entire season, regardless of how the Lakers as a team have ebbed and flowed, LeBron has sort of been the one constant and the one anchor in terms of intensity and just even if he hasn't brought it for three quarters, he's at least been the one in the fourth quarter to, you know, drag us through to the finish line. So I just want to make sure we give LeBron his props. It sounds like an obvious statement, but I think with such a weird year like this season, I mean, I don't think we'd blame him if he, you know, really took these first 10 games off, but it just seems like he's been locked in when, you know, maybe the whole team hasn't necessarily and He's averaging 24 points, 8 rebounds, 7.7 assists, and played really solid defense throughout. And he's doing this in just 32 minutes, which is the least amount of minutes he's ever played in his entire career. Last season was it when he had 34. Now he's down to 32, and he's still putting up those numbers. So it's just ridiculous. I want to give the man his flowers, speaking of Banksy and throwing a bouquet. Um, (laughs) So before we get into Anthony Davis and Taylor Horton Tucker's performance in this game, just wanted to remind you guys to please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. We are still awaiting our very first 2021 rating and review of the year, so please help us out in that. De- please help us out in that department. 
because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more double open palm slaps to the head you'll get from Trez because you know that when that happens, it's go time and Trez ain't messing around. Uh, lastly, if you'd like to help us out financially in any small way and get some exclusive post-game recaps, please head over to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast and consider throwing down a buck today. All right, Alan, let's talk about Anthony Davis. Um, up until this point in the season, he's wavered and been pretty lackluster. Kind of seems like he's been a little banged up. So, I mean, maybe give him some leeway there. Um, but above all else, it also seems like he's just pacing himself both mentally and physically. And yet, you look over at 36-year-old LeBron, and um, as I mentioned, he's been a, an anchor for us, and he's brought the intensity from the get-go. And you look at LeBron, and you're wondering, well, is younger than this dude. <laughs> Why can't he bring that same sort of intensity? So I guess just what were your thoughts on seeing Anthony Davis sort of wake up from his slumber in this game and you could kind of see it bubbling forth um, where he kind of just did what he wanted last night. He had 27 points on nine, of, on 9 of 12 from the field. He didn't settle for threes. He only took one, actually. Got to the line 10 times. And as I mentioned, this is his fourth straight game with three blocks after averaging like 0.4 a block to start the season. So what have your thoughts been on AD's slow ramp up to the season? Are you fine? Have you been fine with his approach? Did you expect more? Did you want him to force the issue a little more? I think we typically use the phrase, oh man, AD has 27 points and I didn't even notice it. Or, oh man, AD had the quietest 30 points I've ever seen. <laughs> and I feel like those phrases have been more common this season, but in a more negative way. Whereas in past games, it was because AD was doing so many other little things that you barely notice the scoring and it's just like, oh, there's the icing on top of the cake. But these days, it's kind of just felt like he's been floating around and his main contributions have just been hitting jump shots. And then you're not getting that dynamic ferocity down low where he really punctuates his presence. And it's probably more emphasized because defensively, he's mentioned it himself. He's been sort of lax as well. So what are, what were your thoughts on AD sort of, yeah, yeah waking up? Um, I mean, you could... A lot of people have already talked about like his frustration after the San Antonio game. He's getting on himself, getting on the team, and things like that uh, as far as defense. So I would say you know you could see it coming. And then he didn't even play against Chicago. So just in terms of you know getting a little bit of rest too, I, I think um, that made a lot of sense as far as him bringing that energy yesterday against Houston. Um, I think the Christian Wood thing, of course, cannot be overstated. I, I mean, if you are kind of in this headspace of like, oh, I got to like pace myself, I still can't believe that the season has already started. My body feels it, whatever. And then, you know, some kid says something and you're like, okay, like there's that juice, you know, there's that little injection of life that I kind of needed uh, something to just like focus on. Right. And, and have kind of like a concerted effort just going towards one thing versus still having this big picture like, holy crap, we just finished playing. So, um, I mean, that was like the perfect example of billboard material, you know, actually playing itself out. Um, as far as like how I have felt about his performance, I'm not like terribly <laughs> annoyed by it. I, I think we can all see what's going on and kind of understand. And uh, while I understand your comparison to LeBron, you know, being older and all that kind of stuff, 
I don't know, like comparing him, I guess, to LeBron, you know, is like, well, that's LeBron. <laughs> He's right. the ultimate outlier. And we all know million dollars on his body every single year for maintenance and whatever. Um, he's like a cyborg. Right. Um, but it's because he puts in so much work. Not saying mm-hmm. Anthony Davis doesn't put in the work, but um, I think we could also give Anthony Davis credit for like toughing out little knickknack injuries here and there. Yeah. I mean, LeBron has gone on record saying that when he was in New Orleans, uh, he wouldn't play through things. And it's not because he doesn't care. It's because he is trying to save himself for later and all that. And, like, that's all well-intentioned. But last year, AD was like, okay, like, I can't do that anymore. And LeBron pushed him to play through the little things. So um, I still think, like, he's a fairly young dude, right? And he's still trying to figure out uh, how to pace himself, maintain while still you know, being effective on the floor. So it's a little bit of trial and error on his part. But yeah, obviously the last few games, like you said, he's averaging three blocks a game compared to basically nothing. Um, It was very apparent in the early games. Like, wow, where's the rim protection, dude? Like, you know, I get we lost the others, but like, we still have you, bro. Um, (laughs) And and when he makes that choice to be there, then obviously we're fine. Um, but yesterday was just like another level, (laughs) like, yeah, the three blocks per game before were good, but yesterday was just different. Like he was flying around all over the place and Mm -hmm. recovering kind of like JaVale, right? Where a guy gets by JaVale and you're like, ah, damn it. But then he swats it out of nowhere. Like, ah, shit. So like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, we saw a lot more of that yesterday with AD. So, you know, we'll see how things go. Um, going forward, uh, if there are a couple more ups and downs here and there, I wouldn't be super surprised, but I wouldn't get too too upset about it either. Yeah, I think you could tell when he was taking it to Christian Wood, he wanted to make it a point to show Christian Wood, you are literally the stick version of me, and I will show you my strength, you know? And he, he literally imposed himself on the Rockets and Christian Wood. And I think to your point about comparing him to LeBron James, I think it's also fair to point out that he's a big He's not like LeBron James. His body is totally different. And I think with big men, you always have to be a little more careful, you know, with how weirdly he's built with those long limbs and arms. And he was supposed to be a point guard, you know, his yep. life, his entire life. So I think he knows for himself. And, you know, maybe you want to see a little bit more intensity in his face or whatnot, but we're all individuals and unique human beings. So Right, right. And I think, you know, Anthony Davis is still 27 and still growing and still maturing into himself. But I think the biggest thing we should give him some leeway for is the fact that he has been injury prone his entire career. That's why he signed the extension (laughs) with the big contract with us. He literally admitted it, you know. So if we're talking about him not putting the foot on the gas pedal, you kind of know why he's not keeping it a secret to anybody right now. Do we want more? Sure. But at the end of the day, has he... Has his lackluster play really cost us games? We're still number one in the West, number one in the league. Maybe it's cost us one or two games, you know, but in the grand scheme of things, it'll probably help us in the long run with regards to his longevity and uh, overall productivity. The only thing it's not helping us right now is we don't get a clearer vision of what this team looks like when it's, you know, fully firing on all cylinders. But I think... You know, if we get it once a week, that should be good enough, you know? So Houston, that Houston <laughs> game was last week's, and we're looking forward to one from Anthony Davis this week. But, but yeah, I mean, at his own pace, I'm fine with Anthony Davis, um, you know, just pacing himself. But at the same time, I think even he knows that he can probably balance things a little bit more evenly. Um, and we've started to see that because even before this breakout game, like I mentioned, he was 
blocking shots like crazy left and right, you know? So, um, so yeah, credit to Anthony Davis for, for showing out. I don't think he's going to need this type of bulletin board material every single game to get him to, you know, snap into place. It probably helped that there were actual fans in the arena as well. Oh, I dude, mean, for sure. Yeah, you can tell. I don't condone that. <laughs> but <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Especially well, with what's there. going on. Um, yeah, right. But you know what? For one night, it definitely helped the Lakers, and it definitely helped Anthony Davis. So kudos to him. Uh, with that said, we're going to take it to break. Uh, but before we do that, Tommy will join us for a quick cameo, and he'll transition us into our sponsors with the Apple Podcast Review of the Night. Tonight's Apple Podcast Review of the Night will once again be brought to you by our impressionist extraordinaire, Tommy Alexander, who will be reading it as KCP's former ankle bracelet that he probably has encased in his house somewhere just to commemorate the long journey he's been on as a Laker. Uh, So with that said, Tommy, take it away as KCP's former ankle bracelet. This review is entitled The Best Lake Show Podcast. It's cut off, I'm sorry. <laughs> By Anthony Fry or Frey. Most sports podcasts fall into one of two camps, either super detailed and analytical, but kind of dry and drab, mm-hmm. or jovial conversations between hosts, but lacking on stats and deep analysis. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, Tommy, and Alan strike the perfect balance between the two extremes. Listen to any episode, and it's evident within the first few minutes that these dudes are extremely knowledgeable and well-researched on not only the Lakers players, but the NBA as a whole. But more important, their show is very approachable and digestible for the more casual basketball fan. I've not subscribed as a Patreon member, because the show does not include a champion's level of support. $17 per month would be well worth the content produced as will the increase to $18, $19, and $20 in subsequent <laughs> championship years. Oh, um, man. I, yeah. This was very well written, Anthony. I know, you. right? <laughs> this is like very nice, very thoughtful. Like, wow, really made my, uh, made my evening here. Well, all jokes aside, I was going to ask you your opinion on this because I don't think we've ever verbally, tangibly you know, talked about the mission statement of this podcast since it's been running like four and a half years now. But when we started this... You know, this was sort of what I envisioned. Like, we're not Laker film room. We we, can't, we don't have his mind and his basketball knowledge. We're not some statistical... I mean, sometimes we bring up stats, but they don't go too deep. And we joke a lot. And maybe that puts off some people. We laugh a lot. Maybe some people don't like our inside jokes, what have you. I get it. Um, but at the end of the day, if you take the time to listen, you'll notice that there are actually some deep nuggets of nuance in there that we like to put out there. And our analysis is pretty sound. So... I don't know. I feel like I, if I had to write up a description of what our podcast is all about and what we're aiming to do, this guy pretty much did it for us. So, I agree. No, I really appreciate that review. I, we, re, we read a lot of them, obviously, but that was a very nice one. So thank you, Anthony. And he's, I apparently I'm doing something wrong with our Patreon because I should put up a 17 18 19 <laughs> $20 per month sort of subscription. But yeah, thank you, Anthony Frey. Tommy, you did such a great job as KCP's former anklet. Anklet. I guess it is an anklet. As KCP's former anklet, uh, how did you do that? What went into your channeling? Just tried to get into the mind of an anklet for a guy who I told you is good. Oh, man. That makes a whole ton of sense to me. Thank you. (laughs) KCP's anklet. All right. So we are back. Alan, what did you think of that great review from Anthony Frey and Tommy's great impression 
um, of KCP's anklet. I mean, I haven't heard an anklet speak before, but <laughs> if one were to speak, that is exactly what it would sound like. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. So Tommy did a masterful job, as he always does. Again, you know, my weak ass impressions all stem from Tommy's very strong ones. So I, I got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, now, as far as speaking of credit where credit's due, uh, honestly, that review was awesome. Um, I, I do think that, you know, he he kind of gets what we're going for. Um, yeah, it's very flattering. It's like, oh, man, I don't even know what to say. Like, you you listen to us and, like, you get that? <laughs> like, cool, because that, that is what we want, you know? We, we just want to have fun with each other. And like you said, from the start, it's like we're just dudes who have talked about basketball for a very, very long time with each other. And I think at some point we're like, hey, maybe some other people kind of want to join that conversation. Right. You never know. Like, we have fun and we kind of know what we're talking about here and there. So um, the fact that, yeah, he feels that kind of connection with us is, is awesome. And I'm, I'm glad that um, it, it sounds like we can, you know, make a positive impact, you know, on like an hour or two out of his week here and there. So, yeah, that's it great. makes up it makes up for all the random bad reviews we get. We're like, I don't get this weird humor. Stop it. <laughs> Why do you guys laugh so much? Stop saying lit. <laughs> no, I mean we're not we're not doing anything groundbreaking here at the end of the day, like you said, Alan. We're just trying to have fun and inject some new ones into that. And kind of like the Lakers, right? It's it's infectious when you see a bunch of guys who like each other and have that chemistry. People will notice that and it's cool to actually get feedback like that of people noticing it. So thank you, Anthony Frey. And please, if you have a review like that that you want to shoot our way please do it on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you're listening to us on. All right, with that said, some quick Lakers stats for you. Uh, Though the Lakers have regressed some in their three-point shooting, they are still sixth in the NBA in three-point percentage at 38.5%. LeBron James leads the team in three-pointers made with 23 makes. Kuzma is a close second with 21. Caruso leads the team in three-point percentage at 53%. He's 9 of 17 from three, so it's not a small sample size either, although that is surely going to regress to the mean. Uh, KCP is second with 48%. Wesley Matthews, 41%. What a turnaround for this dude, man. I mean, the mathematics, the West I'll mathematics. <laughs> Kumon, West, Kumon West Math and Reading Center. That's my new nice, name for dude. <laughs> Shout out to Kumon. <laughs> Shout out to Kumon, man. Um, following Wes Matthews, we have Anthony Davis at 38.7% from three. We've got Kuzma at 38.2%. And then our big men helping space the floor, Gasol hitting half a three a game at 33%, and Keith at 0.7 at 32%. As of Monday, the Lakers remain fourth in offensive rating and third in defensive rating so for as much as we've haggled over this team's intensity we're third in defensive rating what do you know and maybe it's because just the fact that the whole rest of the league is in shambles but you know what the whole the nba is about how you're doing in relation to everybody else and we're third in the league in defensive rating we are second in overall net rating at 8.1 just behind the bucks we are also third in field goal percentage at 49.3 percent fourth in rebounding with 48 a game 12th in assists with 25.2 a game. This is one area that I think we can definitely do better in, especially as we get Marcus Gasol more involved. We are 15th in free throw percentage at 76.4%, which is middle of the pack, which is great. For the friggin' Lakers. <laughs> and Anthony Davis is shooting I know. crap. He's yeah. shooting 73% on the year, so there's room for improvement there. Oh, yeah. 
And as I mentioned with Anthony Davis blocking shots recently, we are fourth in blocks with 6.2. The Lakers rim protection, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> exactly. Credit to Kakuzma for joining the fray as well with his chase down blocks. Oh, my God, dude. He wants to destroy <laughs> the damn basketball and the backboard and his own hand. <laughs> I know, exactly. There's JaVale yeah. McGee for you just inhabiting yeah. his body. Um, so, yeah, by, by all accounts... Your DGAF half-awake Lakers are doing just fine for themselves in spite of their seeming nonchalance on most nights. An amazing feat indeed, though it's really, as I mentioned, kind of hard to take away too much from this bizarre pandemic-ravaged season. Uh, The Lakers are just holding their head above water amidst the chaos. Now, one young Lakers player in particular who's doing more than keeping his head above water, but is starting to test out actually walking on it, is uh, the boy wonder, Mr. THT, we pity the fool, you know, Mr. T, Mr. THT, Talon Horton Tucker. Allen, Talon Horton Tucker will not be denied. He is inevitable, and he has shown himself in a myriad of ways the last three games, but most especially against Houston. Uh, per 36-wise, Talon Horton Tucker slots into the number four spot in Lakers points per game leaders right behind Trez with averages of 17.3 points, 5.5 rebounds, 3.8 assists, 2.1 steals, 1.3 blocks, 48% from the field, 36% from three. Now, his normal averages are eight points, but he's doing that in 16 minutes, which is incredible. Yeah, what have you seen from THT the last few games, including the Houston game, where obviously he had a breakout game with all the steals, the highlight plays and whatnot. But I mean, the last podcast when I was talking to Tommy, I talked about how it seems like we're bringing him along a little bit slowly and that we've put training wheels on him a little bit uh, and that we're treating him, we're putting him under the Andrew Bynum second year plan where Bynum, his first year only had like two points and only played like eight minutes. Second year, Bynum went up to 20 minutes a game, eight points, five rebounds, 1.6 blocks, but it was still sort of a gradual progression. And while preseason maybe hinted at, oh, maybe this guy's going to be Tyler Hero or MPJ, you know, they're just going to let him loose. Um, Obviously, the start of this season proved otherwise. But now the last three games, I'm like, look, I know there's a variety of circumstances as to how he got these minutes with, you know, Alex Caruso being out, Uh, KCP being out, and then last night, Wes Matthews. But he's taken those minutes uh, in a stranglehold here and really proven his case that he can be trusted with these minutes and he can actually be of positive impact for meaningful stretches. I mean, last night, he was a huge catalyst to the Lakers' um, win against the Houston Rockets. So what has been the most impressive thing that you've seen from Taylor Horton Tucker outside of, you know, the... The feats that we've already seen, which I I mentioned on Twitter that, or maybe I haven't actually, but I think every game I see at least two or three otherworldly things that I've never seen before from any player from THT. Like it's uncanny, it's impeccable, and maybe you chalk that up to just his body being an outlier sort of body, but hey, that's what you get from THT defensively and offensively, so. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like... You know, there are sometimes, especially with younger players, where they get spot minutes here and there. Like, I don't know how many minutes per game he's averaging, but, you know, it's not a lot. Um, I think you just said it, actually. 16. (laughs) Yeah, right. So, it would be very understandable for him to go unnoticed from time to time, just being a young player getting random minutes here and there, right? Like, you might even look back on a game normally and be like, oh, I didn't realize that guy was playing. But with him, like, he's so impactful, 
every single time he steps out on the floor, no matter how many minutes he's playing. And, you know, he can be a focal point of our offense because we know what his skill set is. He can get his own shot. It depends on what the lineup is. But even if he isn't getting those shots, we've seen what he can do on the defensive end, right? We've seen him um, produce in so many different ways beyond just scoring. So it's, it's really encouraging to see someone come in where his role isn't totally, like, clearly defined yet. But you know he's going to produce. So you can count on him. You can rely on him. So, of course, when he gets the opportunity, and it is very clear what we're going to need him to do, you know that's he's not going to disappoint. Um, you know, I was listening to his post-game interview yesterday, and, you know, they're asking kind of questions like this. Like, talk about your progression. Um, do you wish that you were still a rookie status, <laughs> you know, for different, like, awards and things like that, like in other sports? Um and he said, you know, like, I, I don't really care about that stuff. I just kind of go out there and play. Um, and, and that is like a somewhat generic answer. But with him, when he says, like, I just go out there and play and I do what I know how to do, I feel like that's a pretty profound statement, actually. Mm-hmm. It's very simple, but you see it actually happening with him. So, um, I mean, we love Alex Caruso, right? But there are some games where it's like, I don't even know what Caruso did tonight. How did he contribute? You know? Like, he just kind of floated around, whatever, mm-hmm. made some mistakes here and there. Uh, and it's not to say THT doesn't make mistakes, but you still notice him when he's in the game. And, yeah. God, it goes back to in the bubble in the second round. You noticed him come in the game, and it was yeah. like, dude. So, um, yeah, I mean, what else is there to say, right? It, it's just super exciting, and it's, it's awesome that we get to track, you know, his progress from the very beginning. Yep. And, I mean, we shouldn't have even had a draft pick, right? Like, we bought him, you know, um, which is even crazier that our scouts, you know, were already onto this guy. So, Yeah, I'm sure Orlando would love to have a THT in light of their injury concerns. Um, yeah. But, hey, I think the one thing that I want to highlight is THT's growth as a passer. Even just in the last mm. few games, he's averaging 2.6 a game, 2.6 assists a game over the last five, three assists in each of the last three games. How many times have you seen him attack the closeout and then pitch it to like a Trez or an Anthony Davis for a clean yeah, dunk? Yeah, yeah. And just right. his awareness is becoming so much better. And, and like I mentioned, even during preseason, I was like, I don't think this guy knows the powers he has yet and how much he's collapsing a defense. And once he realizes there are two or three different avenues he can go to, oh, it's game over from there. You know, he'll still miss like an open read here and there. But I mean, the dude's 20. What do you expect? And I think as LeBron James mentioned in an interview, this dude is soaking up info so quickly and then applying it the next play. Not even like the next game. The next play. He's that talented. And... I don't know how Frank Vogel is going to do it, as with any talented player on this roster. But for me, I just feel like he needs to make sure to keep THT a constant. Whether that's 15 minutes a game, I don't care. Find a way to do it. There's no use anymore trying to suppress or depress his value this season in hopes that, you know, some team comes along in the summer and gives him, in the hopes of making sure that some team doesn't give him a ridiculous offer in the summer. At this point, the cat's out of the bag. This kid is insane and special, and the Lakers are just going to match whatever outlandish offer any team trying to pry him away from us will throw his way. So it's a moot point. May as well unleash him, obviously with some sort of discretion, but he's soaking things up so quickly. He's learning mid-game. He is a prodigy. He is a savant. Um, I think whatever rawness we see from him, it's not egregious. 
And I swear Dennis Schroeder has an equal amount of questionable, stupid things that, <laughs> that he does a game that can be comparable to what THT does. I think whether it's like a wild drive or a turnover or whatever, like it's comparable. And I think with THT, all that's really missing is just like the experience and veteran savviness and some refinement. Him knowing when and where he's susceptible to getting the ref's whistle and knowing when to hold back. But when it comes to just like the pace of the game coming to him, I mean, it's already slow for him, and he plays at a really nice pace as well that helps him out. And so, yeah, man, I've just been impressed by, I think the Houston game was a perfect encapsulation of literally everything he can offer from like the man-to-man defense to the passing to the shot making. I mean, his three-point shot has been on point recently, right? He's got a step-back three-point shot. He's hitting these catch-and-shoot shots. He's up to 36% on the year. And I don't know, man. They've they've given him the ball recently as well to be more of the primary initiator and scorer, and I there's not I I don't know just play him Frank just just freaking play <laughs> this kid um, continue to have him earn his minutes but man I mean game by game he's continuing to get better and by the time the playoffs come I mean he should be part of the playoff rotation in my opinion so um, yeah anything else you wanted to bring up with THD um. Not really. Just like you said, I, I I love the fact that he's making adjustments in game already at this stage, you know, where um, the game already seems like it's slow for him and he doesn't get tunnel vision. You know, like you said, he's improved his passing without a doubt. I mean, how mm-hmm. many times uh, do you see young players, you know, single track minded and they, they have a goal in mind. They want to score. Uh, they want to drive it into the paint. And like you said, you got a bunch of dudes out there on the wing you can kick it out to. Um, and he's already showing signs of that maturity and just awareness. So, um, and, and clearly like LeBron, the leader of our team loves him, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like he speaks so highly of him and he's not blowing smoke up anybody's ass, you know, like this is very genuine. So, um, yeah, Frank Vogel trying to find because I mean every every guy who occupies that position has something great to offer, right? Yep. Like, so whose whose minutes are gonna drop? KCP, Caruso, Wes. Like, I mean Wes, I guess. But then you know he's a freaking firecracker too. Yep. <laughs> you know who can knock down seven out of seven from three and then promptly go over seven the next night. But um, you just never know. So uh, good thing Frank's got the the people skills, you know, to yeah, communicate exactly. with all these dudes. They all seem reasonable and understanding. So, you know, there's there's not going to be any drama. I think the one thing to monitor is what happens with Dennis Schroeder and if the Lakers are able to come to an extension agreement with him. They're able to, I think, by February, offer him, you know, as much as they want to, maybe like $20 million a year. But, and I think it would behoove them to at least just lock up Dennis Schroeder as an asset, even if they don't even if they're not meaning to keep him long-term. Um, but it, THT does make that case interesting. Like, if the Lakers know that some team is going to offer him something um, ridiculous in the summer, and to be clear, because of the Gilbert Arenas rule, a team can only offer THT his first two years the mid-level exception of $10 million, and then after that, they can offer him up to his max in the third and fourth year. But let's say a team does that. Are the Lakers sort of making that calculation now and knowing, well, let's not give... Dennis Schroeder 20 million a year already because we might have to pay up and match an offer for THT and also I don't want to say it's addition by subtraction because Dennis Schroeder is a very good player who provides a lot of different things to this team that adds versatility obviously but 
I don't know, they have to come to that question eventually of like, well, does taking Schroeder out of the picture just really allow THT to breathe? You know, I'm not advocating for that one way or another, but in the worst case scenario, again, I, I would like to keep Schroeder, whether it's as a long-term piece, maybe he shifts down to the bench, or even just as an asset to use, because you'd hate to lose him for just nothing. But at what point does it become too expensive? And you know that you're also having to pay up for THT down the road too, that you're like, well, let's eliminate one problem in terms of like a minute's impediment and a cap on THT, you know? So, and that's not to say too that, you know, THT wouldn't be able to play alongside Dennis Schroeder. It's just, there are decisions this front office has to make, but they are good problems and good decisions because what the hell, THT is a freaking talent, so generational talent as uh, tommy calls him <laughs> a generational talent that's awesome. all right that said that'll do it for this episode we've had a lot of fun hopefully the good times keep on rolling as long as people stay healthy i mean this league could fold at any moment we might have a gap in the next week or so who knows but so far the lakers have been doing a great job keeping themselves accountable um making sure that they're doing all the right stuff and nobody's contracting covid and hopefully that stays the course uh, with that said uh, we will catch you guys next time. Alan, I'll catch Drop you later. Laters. <laughs> Peace. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.